Hello and welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, produced by the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia. This is Jordan Rich, and this episode's part of our special series that salutes young people who have not let dyslexia stop. In fact, it's likely that learning to deal with dyslexia has allowed them to harness other talents. We like to refer to them as uh, superpowers. No capes, no masks, or gold whips involved here. Just hard-working young people stepping up to challenges and meeting them head-on. Today, we are going to be talking with Bodie Bregonier. He's 11 years old, he's a fifth grader, but he's a lot more than that. He's an entrepreneur with several products and ideas and companies in the making. Bodie's dad is a recent guest on the podcast, Dean Bregonier of noticeability.org. And we'll talk a bit more about his dad when we get into our discussion. First of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you are uh, currently attending school in Cambridge, Massachusetts. You were diagnosed with dyslexia, what, in second grade, something like that? Yeah, but my parents knew it from the second I was born. <laughs> really? I think I know the reason, but you tell us. Well, my mom and my dad are both dyslexic. My dad just loves loves dyslexia and loves, like, learning about it. And I was kind of his guinea pig. And so <laughs> they, they kind of just sus- suspected it. And as I grew, I just came up with a lot of different creative ideas. Mm. And my dad was like, yep, you're dyslexic. Well, well, just so the audience is aware, and they've listened to other podcasts, they probably have heard your dad on our podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he is Dean Braganier. Noticeability.org. Is, it's his life's work. So yeah. it's perfectly fine that you uh, brought him up because he's important. Here. All right. Yeah. So do you remember the early days, like before you would have been able to learn to read even, if there was anything that affected you? We don't know what it feels like, those of us who don't have dyslexia. I get this question a lot, and I always say, I can't really tell you because as soon as you open up your eyes for the first time, well, obviously I can't remember that, but you just start to adjust, and I don't know what it's like to not have dyslexia, so I don't know what it's like to see the world without dyslexia, so I don't know. I don't know what the difference is because I've never lived without it. Right. That's a very reasonable answer. It's like asking somebody who has never had sight, what is it like to see? And you don't know because you've never seen. All right. So let's then get to school because this is where things start to happen to people and with Mm -hmm. people. Were you in a special class early on in first grade on or? For a very long time, I've had tutors, uh, who's actually my aunt Gail. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, she, she actually used to be a tutor at my school. Now she's not. And she's a cook, but I had a lot of tutors and I used to be in a lot of different reading groups. But since this year, I was going to a tutor and like after a while, the tutor was like, he's like perfectly fine. He doesn't need a tutor and I'm not in the special reading group anymore. And so that feels really good to. Now, do you feel the same way? Do you feel comfortable now enough? With reading? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would not be able to tell anything that I spell. <laughs> I I can't spell. Well, you're not alone in that regard. And not just dyslexics, but there are people who just are terrible spellers. But dyslexia is different. It's confusing the way things look. and Never uh, been able to remember. Right, right. But you read, and you're obviously very bright, and you understand, and you're conceptualized. Do you remember the first couple of books that you really were able to read with ease or with less pressure? Do you you remember? No, not really. I Last year was the first time I've actually read a book, and I've not felt like, oh, why do I have to read this? Mm. There's still books like that, but this year it's been kind of different because I've actually found a few books that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
felt a lot better. Mm. When you were having difficulty earlier, before you had these great tutors, was it not only, oh, I got to read this, but was it literally having to go word by word? I mean, I don't know how it affected you in terms of your reading. Tell us. I can't remember exactly, but I've always had, you know, a tutor or somebody, Mm -hmm. and I've always just been learning that way, and I've kind of figured it out. It's been hard, but again, I don't really know what it's like not to have dyslexia. You're rather resourceful, I'm told. You are a young man who kind of gets things done and and handles himself pretty well. What would be an example or two of some of the things you've done that are Bodhi-centric? In other words, you created these things to help you navigate through dyslexia. Well, I've created multiple businesses, one of which I've actually, like, I'm selling and I've made a good amount of money from it. It's called Bodhi's Love Notes, and I sell little greeting cards that say things like, you're the best, you're pure sunshine, and you can, like, do anything with them. Like, usually I stick them on car windshields and stuff, but, yeah, I've sold a lot of those. I didn't even know that. Uh, Well, I kind of knew that, but I didn't know you were going to go in that direction. The question, though, is tricks that you've developed or techniques that you might have to either get through something that's difficult or rearrange the way you think? I mean, do you have any creative approaches to dealing with dyslexia? I know you've got the tutors, but anything you bring to the table? Again, it's just I've never known not having dyslexia, and I just think it's normal. And so I couldn't, I don't have any really special examples. I just read it over and over again. Like I'll read the same sentence five times to get it into Mm -hmm. my head. But once I have it in my head, I got it for a while. All right. So let's get back to the businesses. All of a sudden you're a businessman at 11 years old. You know, to start a business and to make it successful is very challenging for people my age. You think you have this flair for business? You think it just comes naturally? Kind of. I've always thought of, like, ideas that nobody else have has, like, thought of, and I'm just like, why don't we make these greeting cards? Why don't mm-hmm. we—I also take, like, a lot of ideas, and then I change them slightly. Mm-hmm. We've talked, including conversations with your father, about other parts of the brain or the personality that are turned on when somebody has dyslexia. Is it safe to say, and you can describe what you feel, that you've got other things, other talents that are coming to the surface that are just naturally there? And if so, what what are these other creative talents, do you think? My main one is narrative reasoning. I'm always, like, usually able to, like, speak to a group and make my point. And then I'm okay at interconnected reasoning. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, interconnected reasoning? I use MIND as an acronym. So the M stands for material reasoning, which kind of means if you just take a few things and you just give it, in this case, to me. But if you give it to a dyslexic with M, they can just, like, kind of build. And that's not my highest strength, but I can kind Mm -hmm, of do that. mm -hmm. I is interconnected reasoning, which is kind of taking... My dad always uses the example of Uber. So if there's, like, a man in his apartment who doesn't have a job, but he has a car and he has a phone. And then there's a lady in the rain on the street who has a phone and just needs a ride. Boom, Uber, you know? Okay. Um, And then N is narrative reasoning, which is just the ability to talk. Right, which you're doing brilliantly right now. Thank you. (laughs) And D. And D is for dynamic reasoning, which is almost being able to tell the future from what's happened in the past, which is like the example that my dad uses is... Um, if you took a river and and you said, oh, well, it's channeled this way, so it means this far in 20 years, then in another 20 years, it must slightly curve but still go that same direction. 
You've kind of answered an earlier question for me. Uh, you answered it better than I asked it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I was trying to hear from you, and you're such a good spokesperson for this, you know, how you deal with things, problems, challenges, ideas, creativity. And that's, I love the acronym, and I love the fact that you spelled it out so beautifully. And, you know, narration, narrative thinking, narrative ability is very, very, actually, it's kind of rare, to be honest with you. So what you're saying, Bodhi, is very important. Uh, you've got other talent, many other talents. We'll talk about some of them in a minute. Despite having dyslexia, you're able to succeed. Yeah. Which is pretty exciting. Thank you. Now, tell me more about the love notes. There may be another story behind the story here. Do you have a particular individual who inspired you to write love notes or why, why the love notes? I don't remember quite how I started with love notes, but I remember that I've had multiple business ideas. The, um, the first one I had was called Pocket Change because I used to collect marbles, like a lot of marbles, which actually gets to another idea later. Uh, yes. But I, I always, like, wish I had more pockets because my pockets would always get full of marbles when I was trying to, like, move them. And so I, I was thinking, well, what if you took little pouches and attached magnets to them that you can just attach them to your shirt? And I actually have a few prototypes, but I never really could make enough because it took a really long time to make. But that was, like, when I was seven or something. <laughs> Okay. And then... Um, I like the ideas. I'm, I might back you. Keep going. And then the other one that I had was called Heads Will Roll, which sounds a little bit weird, but it's about marbles. And what you'd be able to do is you'd be able to, like, take a photo of somebody and put it into a marble or, like, have it made into a marble. And so then you've got, like, a little decorative marble of, like, your family or <laughs> something. And then the last one, which I've actually sold before is uh, like pom-pom jewelry. So I, I love to do cr different kinds of crafts because that's kind of my material reasoning because mm -hmm. I just I just take something and I'm just like, yes. Like I love to sew, I love to knit, I love to loom. Mm -hmm. And so I start. I had this big pom-pom craze and I made hundreds, I mean hundreds of pom-poms. Then what I did is I put them on earrings and I made them into like head things <laughs> and... Um, my mom's made like these before. Mobiles that, like that mobile, hold from, yeah. that hang from the ceiling? Yeah. And uh, what was the last thing I made out of them? I think I made some scarves or something. It's not just coming up with the idea, but it's actually making some of this stuff yeah. and selling some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic at this point in your career, I mean, to be able to pull off some of these things. I do want to talk a little bit about other activities. You're a lacrosse player and a darn good one, I'm told. Yeah. Um, lacrosse goalie. Yeah, man, okay. I have been for like three, four years. Now, do you have any Five. bruises on you? I don't see any, but isn't that a rather rough game? Yes, I've had bruises where you can literally read Dick's Sporting Goods <laughs> on my shoulder for like a week. Oh, my gosh. Because it, it hurts a lot. But I love the sport, and I recently actually made it onto the select team, which is it's not just the town team, but it's out of sixth grade and fifth grade. It's the best players, and I'm on the select team. And uh, I had a shutout last game, so last Friday. That's great. I want to double back a little bit and talk now about being involved in situations with other kids and with adults and having dyslexia. Everyone I've talked to on this podcast, everyone who's had to deal with dyslexia has had to deal with the sense that they were being ignored or bullied or made fun of, etc. You don't have to mention specifics, but I imagine that's happened to you. And if so, you know, how does that make you feel and how do you deal with it? Well, the biggest example is of my teacher. Uh, well, actually, my substitute. And um, she has, like, taken my work that I've, like, worked really hard on, like, my paragraphs, 
and put them up in front of the class and gone up and be like, all right, who can spot the wrong thing about this? And I've been just like, why do you do this to me? Mm. Even if you're making it anonymous, it doesn't, it's not anonymous for me. <laughs> right. And others might know it's your work too. I mean, obviously. So this is an adult and a teacher whom you would think would have more sensitivity, right? Yeah. Okay. What have you done about that? Anything? I've talked to my parents a lot about it, and they've given me some advice. They've talked to my teacher about it, and it hasn't happened for a while now. Mm -hmm. Good. Now, Bodhi, let's talk about other kids your age, whether they have dyslexia or not. What's your relationship like, and how does dyslexia affect that relationship? Well, at least in my grade, I'm one of the most open about my dyslexia. Mm -hmm. And um, I know other kids that have dyslexia, and, like, other people know about it, but it's pretty confidential, and they keep it on the down low. Uh, I, I really voice mine, I think, and so you could ask almost anybody in my grade and say, does Bodhi have dyslexia? And they'd all be like, yeah, sure. And so other kids have, like, come up and asked me who don't have dyslexia, and they come up to me and they're like, so what is exactly dyslexia? And I explain that to them. So it's kind of nice to tell them about that. But there is um, something called an infinity group at our school, which happens approximately uh, each month. And you get together with people, like there's, like, different religions. And somebody was able to start up a neurodiversity, which is, like, ADHD, ADD, autism, Asperger's, mm -hmm. all that. So we go into that group and it's actually my math teacher that, like, runs it. And we just kind of talk. And there are a lot of people that have, after the Infinity Group or, like, and they're all like, well, it's really difficult and I wish that more people knew about it. And some people are, like, really shy about it. Um, but I've got a friend who recently discovered that they had ADD. And I've been helping them out with that. And so I feel like I can really help other classmates be like, by voicing my dyslexia, I can help them yeah. with their Well, uh, I was going, going to point out that what you're doing takes courage. And I was a kid your age once, and, you know, peer pressure is one of the most powerful things in the universe at this age. But to give you credit for doing that. And when you do talk openly about it, does talking openly about it sort of lower the the tension with other kids who may be quick to make fun, but when you explain it to them, do they understand? I don't. There are not a lot of bullies at my school, mm -hmm. and so I've never really had to deal with that. What I've been kind of trying to do is, by talking about it a lot, I've kind of like started to make it normal. Now it's like kind of like my dad's slogan, dyslexic before is cool, kind of starting that trend. So I think more people have been open about that, and just somebody that was in my um, neurodiversity infinity group a while ago, they got a, what's it called, a neuropsych test or something. Okay. And they were out for like a day and then came back out for two days. And so they said that they were sick, but like people didn't realize that. They were kind of hiding that. And my math, and my math teacher was like, well, I think that we should start to make that more normal. We should like tell, oh, we were just getting a normal neuropsych test just to make that more normal. And I feel right. like I've kind of embraced that and just talked more and more about my dyslexia. It helps others, but it must help you too to know, hey, this is what I have. This is what I am. And the rest of you Nothing's guys can live with it because I live with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if, if I were asking you to give advice to fellow fifth, sixth graders who are maybe not as lucky to have the tutors you have, 
What advice would you pass along, if any? Don't be scared of the dyslexia. Just kind of embrace it and find, yeah, find some strategies. Just do whatever will help you. Having met a lot of people through this podcast and understanding more and more about dyslexia, it really seems to be, for so many, this ability to do other things and be creative and use other parts of the brain and really shine. The thing about dyslexia is it doesn't show physically on anyone's face or body. And there are times when people are likely to want to keep things on the down low and keep things quiet, particularly around strangers. Have you ever had an opportunity uh, to be with people and then, oh, I think I'm going to try to fake this and not talk or not offer to read or anything like that? Have you ever done that to avoid any kind of embarrassment? I don't think I've avoided embarrassment, but there have been times that I've just been, like, really upset about my dyslexia. Uh, I remember in fourth grade, I had this really nice teacher, and what was happening was we were doing some kind of, like, spelling test, and I was feeling really upset about it. And so my teacher called me into, like, we have kind of like a back room, Mm -hmm. and I just remember immediately bursting into tears because I was so upset about my dyslexia. And I happened to be wearing, like, a dyslexic shirt. I'm dyslexic. I don't remember what it was, but it was some kind of dyslexic shirt. And I was feeling like everybody was asking me about it. And I was like, any other day, and my teacher actually got me a new shirt. I still have it. And I I really appreciated that teacher being there for me. And I got through the day. It was fine. I did okay on the test. Uh, But you're a human being. And as strong as you represent yourself and you are, you're still a human being. and, And it has to hurt when you feel you're not able to catch up or when people are belittling you? I mean, I know I would be upset. Yeah, it's sometimes difficult. Um, Like recently, I've just, the workload's been getting a lot more. And every day after school, I'm just getting these splitting headaches. Mm. And like every time I'm reading like headache, just in the car, I had a really bad headache. Luckily, it's kind of gone now. So you have proven yourself to be a warrior, but even warriors get headaches. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay. I think the point you made earlier about sharing with others as you're doing here is a great one. I mean, there are people who have all kinds of issues to deal with, and when they keep them in, it's sometimes not healthy. So I wish you the best, man, and congratulations on your successful businesses and all the businesses to yeah. come, and you've been so forthcoming. Thanks, Bodie. Thank you. Visit www.bodylovenotes.com. And let's spell that, please. And you can spell your own name better than I can. Go ahead. Yeah, so www.bodi, spelled B-O-D-H-I, no space, love, L-O-V-E, notes, N-O-T-E-S, again, no space, notes.com. Bodieslovenotes.com. Yeah. Order them today. Yeah. Before midnight. Hurry. Yes. (laughs) All right, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. Feel free to contact us here at WICD.org. We do welcome guest or topic suggestions for this podcast. Dyslexics Wanted is a production of the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia. I'm Jordan Rich, thanking you for listening.